Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. Now your hosts. Hello and welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. I'm John Alois, joined by Sean Dagenhart. Hey there. Hi there, ho there, and John Redling Schaefer. You took two of them, and you didn't even let him have one of them. <laughs> Hi, <Man>. John. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? Well, we hope your week's going better than John's. Seriously. Wherever you're listening to us, please. Fine till I got here. Like and subscribe and share it with friends. You can follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Hub Hyperion. You can email us at podcast at thehyperionhub.com. We like to start things off with our Disney views, and let's throw it over to John for a very expensive view. Is that my caliber of work or just in general? All right. So there's only, you know, I'll say four or five rides that are a must every time my family, and it's a unanimous choice for my entire family, that we have to hit these certain rides. But one of them right at the top of the list is Soren at Epcot. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. There is a round of applause at the end of that ride every time we're on it. Yes, sometimes we start it, but it's still every time. It's it's amazing. Guys, are you prepared to actually take the ride out of Epcot and do it yourself? Ride around the world with Adventures by Disney. Yes. Okay. Sean, do you have... now? I understand you have several children, 17, 18? <laughs> Four. Oh, well, I got news for you. You may have to tell them that they're not going to eat for a while because for $109,995 per person, now it's the same price for a child and an adult, you can take a 24-day trip around the world on a private 757, a Boeing jetliner around the world with 74 other of your closest friends and a private chef and hit just about every stop that Soren takes you to on the ride. So it's 12, all 12 Disney parks, I believe, right? Yes. It starts in Los Angeles, and then it heads up to San Francisco, up to Alaska, and then you're a couple days in Tokyo to Shanghai to Hong Kong to right. Agra, India for the Taj Mahal. Egypt That's right. There, for the there are a couple of other stops. You're right. Yeah. Paris. Halifax, I'm not sure what's Nova Scotia. in Halifax, Fish. and then down to Orlando, 24 days. Let's do it. Hyperion I, Hub road trip. It sounds like a dream trip. If you'd like to sponsor the Hyperion <laughs> Hub hosts, to 68 meals. I mean, they bring a chef with it's you. Crazy. 23 breakfasts, 22 lunches, and 23 dinners. I'm confused why we're missing a lunch. Quite frankly, that's important, <laughs> right? Um, but I mean, you're you're touring. You're touring Lucasfilm. You're touring the Walt Disney Studios. So, I mean, yes, you're hitting all these parks, but you're hitting so much of Disney Anna, so mm-hmm. to speak, with it. I mean, it's, well, for 109 grand, I think they could do a few things. $109,000. 995. So, let's so just play let's gasoline here and up. go 110 grand. So, not including taxes and fees, my family could do this for $660,000. Wow. And if you want single occupancy, it's another 11 grand. Wow. Well, at that point, yeah. Like, shoot, what's another 11? I mean, so I don't know. Do they do lightning lane to get on the plane or how does yeah. that work? I, I, I'm still confused. But it's Genie Plus included. That's a lot. Well, every morning, you better get up and check. <laughs> 
Yeah, it sounds... The views expressed by John Ridley Schaefer do not necessarily reflect the views <laughs> of the Hyperion. Unanimously agreement. There were chuckles. You heard them. It sounds like an amazing trip. Uh, Once in a lifetime. We'll see if they are able to fill it. They probably will. You know you're going to see him on... Yeah. You know you're going to see Alois on social media posts. there's an unlocked door. Hey, um... So you think there's a chance I can get on there? You know, he's going to be at the airport. He's taking chef classes. He's going to oh, learn he's how to try be that the way chef. In. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that. You guys are cooking up ideas. No way. <laughs> no, it sounds great. Uh, I just, the price is crazy. Too but cheap. it makes you give second thought to the price for Genie Plus and Lightning Lane. Does not seem so significant. You don't bat your eye at $14. You think this is, dollars, you think this is all a ruse? This <laughs> yeah. time another, see, we'll look at, you can do this. Uh, you know, I, I think we have. I know. I think we have seriously looked at adventures by Disney several times now. Before the pandemic, we were gung ho on maybe doing one. And honestly, I think we're looking at. They have done this in the past: a joint trip to to California, mm-hmm. where you do the studios, and then Disneyland, and then kind of piggyback that with a trip to Alani in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think there's a scale for everything. And just like you see all the people on the VIP tours at Disney World, or mm-hmm. you know, in your in your um, concierge lounge and all that hey the sky's the limit literally right and and so just like you could try your best and get a private party at the park or a six-figure wedding go on at 757 for a month (laughs) goodness i think i'd rather try out for the amazing race see the world that way (laughs) perfect We're excited this week for our guest. His career has spanned six decades for the Disney company. He was an animator who's worked on so many classics, and they include The Rescuers, The Fox and the Hound, The Black Cauldron, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The Lion King, Toy Story, Dinosaur, The Princess and the Frog, among others. He's also worked on many other incredible animated films, not part of Disney, that we'll talk about. Welcome to the Hyperion Hub, Randy Cartwright. Thank you so much, Randy, for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure. (laughs) Born in Virginia, moved to California at a very young age, uh, right in that Southern California Mm -hmm. Disney bubble. You grew up Mm -hmm. going to Disneyland. How did you find your passion for animation, and how did it lead you to Disney? I have been going to Disneyland since uh, uh, my first time was in 1956, uh, New Year's Day. It had been open six months at that time, six, five years old, something like that. Anyway, but uh, then we moved to uh, Orange County, and I I live like six six miles away from Disneyland. We used to watch the the fireworks uh, in the summer from our our, our front front lawn. Uh, But... So I was, I would go there, you know, several times a year. It wasn't that expensive back then. My parents would drop me off when they wanted to get rid of me, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, what caught me in the sixth grade, uh, a friend of mine did a little flip book in the corner of his his notepad and showed me. And I thought, ah, that's kind of neat. My, my dad had done a few flip books for me when I was young, but I didn't really think too much about it. But I went out and bought a little pad of paper after that and started drawing little you know, bombs exploding, arrows moving across, airplanes going, and discovered that I just loved making these move drawings that that moved. I, I had a little set of cartoon characters that I had been drawing with too, and I started doing little uh, flip books with them and things. And I, I soon realized that cartoon TV cartoons and movie cartoons were the same basic technique. 
Uh, and I learned more about it at Disneyland. They used to have an exhibit called The Art of Animation, where you go in there and they had the whole thing, the history of Disney and cells and how the artist drew. drew and it was a, a big exhibit. And every time I go to Disneyland, I would just tell my parents, my cousins, you know, go on rides, I'll be in here. And I'd spend, you know, a couple hours in there. But yeah, all that just got me caught up in animation. And I decided this is what I want to do the rest of my life. I just fell in love with moving drawings. And we got an eight millimeter camera and I got a little Gumby figure and started making little animated movies with that. And, and uh, just kept going with, uh, with, with that as, as my hobby. And uh, uh, there was actually, when I was a senior in high school, I got an idea for a little uh, animated film and I started animating it in high school and I worked on it all the way through college and finally got to UCLA and used uh, UCLA cameras and all to finally shoot the, the whole thing and finally got it done. Little film called Room and Board. Uh, it was about a five minute animated film. And uh, it was in various festivals, won some awards and things like that. Uh, well, at, at the time, actually, I was working at Disneyland. <laughs> I was a, a, a costume character there. You know, I was, I was a, a pig and I was dopey and other <laughs> things there. Uh, but I was working there at Disneyland and one of the... Um, uh, one of these supervisors came up to me and said, your mom's on the phone. She says it's an emergency. Oh, gosh. And I was taking her. I had to take my head off, run back to there to the, uh, and uh, grab the phone. What's the, what's the matter? And she said, the Disney studio just called. They want to talk to you. What? Wow. <laughs> and I had been working on a portfolio of drawings, but I, I didn't think it was ready to, you know, to really take in. I was hoping to go there at some time. And so uh, I called up and I talked with Don Duckwall. That was his name. He was the head of animation production at the time. He said one of uh, the artists there saw my film in a film festival, student film festival, and was asking if I had a portfolio I could bring in. They'd like to talk to me. So holy cow. <laughs> I had hoped to go and you know apply at Disney, but they contacted me first. So, so I, I, have to, I have to say this out loud. Donald Duckwall hired Don you. Don Duckwall. <laughs> All right. All yeah. right. Don, uh, Don Duckwall, that was who he was. And, um, but so I, I uh, brought my portfolio in and um, showed it to Eric Larson, who was one of uh, Disney's nine old men. He was the head of the training program there. And he went through it and he said, okay, I, you're not really ready for us yet. What you need to do is work on this. He, he put my drawings down, put a sheet of paper over. He'd draw over mine. You need to work on this and do a little bit more of that. And that give me a lot of notes. When you get some more of these things, bring them back. So I did. And I worked uh, uh, more my portfolio, brought it back. And he looked at it and said, okay, you're getting better now. Look at this. Do this and this and this, this. He would give me more lessons. I went back, did another one, took it back. He says, okay, now this, 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 this. And uh, it what took me actually seven portfolios <laughs> going wow. back and forth for oh, over a year. And, and I was almost ready to give up. But he told me, no, you're almost there. Bring it. Keep working. Keep working. So you and were working, but you were working for the studio at this time? No, no. I was working at Disneyland at okay, the time. Okay, so they were training you to get a position at but Disney, at the Disney studio. It was just, yeah, it was just Eric Larson had okay. seen my my film and my art, my work and said he thought I was a potential and wanted me to keep working on it until I got to the level that they, they want. 
So you're so getting I, free education basically mm-hmm. from Eric Larson. Yes. That's amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, so fi- I did. And finally, uh, I brought it in and he said, okay, I think you're ready. And he submitted my, my drawings and my, uh, my film to the review board. And I got into the training program, uh, which was the, when you were hired there, um, you had uh, a month to do a personal test of anything you want. And they look at that and review it. And if that looks okay, you get another month to do another personal test, animate anything you want. And they look at that also. And if they think it's good enough, then you're hired as a, a full-time employee and you know go through the training to become an in-betweener. Um, so I, I did that, went through the two uh, two-month periods. I did two little tests, one with Ichabod Crane, and then I did another one. Actually, I had some music from the, the, there are two little girls in the film, uh, All the Cats Join In, uh, uh, an older girl and a little sister, and I did a little test with them, and uh, they both passed, and so I was finally hired right right away. So it was kind of shocking. I had got, (laughs) I, I finished college, and very soon after that, Disney called, and I got in. <laughs> so this animator. was 1975, correct? 75, yeah. This would have been, I started in 74. Okay. I finished my film in 74, and probably late 74 is when Eric called me, or when Don Duckwell called me. And, yeah, and then, like, July 75, I finally passed all the tests and got in. And and so what were some of your early projects, or what, what were you working on features at that point? Uh, yeah, at that time they had uh, they were working on the rescuers, the original rescuers, about in the middle of production. And um, when you start out, you go through a little training period uh, after you finish your tests, and then you start in as a rough in between, which is you're assigned to one of the animators, and he, the animator will do the key drawings, and then you do the all the in betweens there to kind of fill it out to make it the the 24 frames a second, and um, that's how you start out. And um, so I was assigned to uh, John Pomeroy, who was animating on Penny at the time, and uh, started uh, doing my in-betweens for him uh, on the original Rescuers, uh, and so I did that. And then uh, Ollie was also working on Rescuers, and Glenn Keane was his assistant at the time, his rough assistant. And then Glenn moved up and made it to full animator. So all I needed a new rough assistant, and I guess I was the next one in line. So I got to be Ollie's uh, in-betweener on a penny for the rescuers for you know the, the ending of the rescuers. Worked with him on that. So does everybody really follow the same progression as far as starting as an in-betweener and moving on up, or at some point do you kind of you know diversify and have different focus areas? Yeah, some people found they. Well, some people, when they got in, they found they didn't like animation. It was too tedious. Some artists like that. Some of them would move into art to design or story or other areas. Uh, Some of them would not move up at all. They just remain as in-betweeners or uh, assistants. Uh, It just depends on your own personal ability and who sees it and what opportunities are available. So I moved in fairly quickly, so I was, you know... (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> happy with that 
So from there, you move on to Fox and the Hound, which is a story and a movie uh, that I love. But you had a changing of the guard at this time at the studio. Many of the older animators were either getting ready to retire and move on. Um, there was a, a fresh crop of young, talented people rising through the ranks. Uh, the studio itself was going through leadership change as well. Fill us in on what the atmosphere mm -hmm. was like during that time, the early 1980s? While I was a trainee, there were two rooms uh, next to the trainee rooms. Uh, one of them had a lot of pastel drawings of Fox and Hound. Another one had pastel drawings of the Black Cauldron. Uh, they all looked beautiful. And we knew Fox and Hound was going to be the next uh, feature. Uh, and but nobody was really excited about that. The Black Cauldron was the one we were really excited about. So we kind of saw uh, Fox and Hound as kind of our training picture, the mm -hmm. picture that, you know, we didn't really have, weren't personally as invested in it as we expected to be in on Black Cauldron. Uh, but it was a, a great training ground. Uh, I was, Ollie actually was getting ready to retire and he asked if I could come in as his assistant and uh, or actually, and basically take over his animation assignment after he retired. Wow. Ollie Johnston. So got, <laughs> wow. Ollie Johnston. <laughs> wow. Yes. So I went in, went in there some drawings and he would go over my drawings and embarrass the heck out of me because <laughs> mine were so crude compared to his. But somehow he still had faith in me. And so I came in and I did, um, he was going to animate the adult copper and chief, the old dog. And so I actually got most of his assignment after that once he retired. So did you keep I all did. those notes he made on your, I do. Oh, yeah. I have a, a folder with them. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be yeah. in the book, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I wish, uh, I, I wish I had Eric's old things. I don't know what happened to those, the ones that Eric did in my real early days, but. So uh, you, you started mm -hmm. to allude to the black cauldron, how some of the younger animators wanted to mm -hmm. take that. Can you, I, I've, I've heard you talk a little bit about this. Um, Hmm. Maybe we didn't get the Black Cauldron film that we were that maybe some of the younger animators wanted to produce. Can you mm -hmm. tell us that story? Yeah, they well, everybody was really excited. Mel Shaw had done these beautiful sketches, and the fantasy elements and everything were really, you know, we really loved the, the personalities of the characters. the The idea of guy who was just an assistant pig keeper and wanted to be this great, thought he was this great hero. And then this princess who would just had no respect for him and thought he was a, an idiot and put him down all the time. And finally he would grow to learn what a real hero is as the theme of the story. That's what we saw. Uh, Ron Clements had drawn, written up several outlines of ideas on how the story would go. We were all really excited about it. Um, but what happened was Don Bluth had been kind of chafing at the bit. He wanted to become, to take over the studio, wow. but Ron Miller was in charge, you know, was, he was the, Ron Miller was the president of the, the company sure. and could override uh, Don and Don had some opinions and things he wanted to do that he was not allowed to and became kind of frustrated. There was uh, a lot of CalArts, uh, students that began to come in, like Brad Bird and John Musker, uh, and that 
and Don Bluth didn't get along with them at all. They, he, he, and so he kind of pulled a bunch of people together and kind of created his own little team uh, there within the studio. And they, they, they took over a wing and moved all his people down to this wing by himself where he'd, they'd lock themselves away. It was on Fox and Hound. Uh, and they were doing their stuff. And uh, everybody, the rest of us, thought expected that at some point he may he may leave because he wasn't really happy there um and at some point he did he actually you know took a bunch of the animators and left to start his own studio well it scared the studio to death that they had lost all these animators that they'd trained and worked on so that they didn't want to trust any of the young animators to be the heads of any of the new movies. So they put the, the heads of the, the people who took over Fox and Hound and became the heads of um, the Black Cauldron were anima older animators that had been around for a while, but they'd never moved up to the key animator level. Mm -hmm. They were good workmen. They weren't really leaders. But because they'd been there so long, they weren't part of this new team that he did, they didn't trust anymore. They put them in charge. And so the Black Cauldron, instead of becoming something with, you know, new ideas and themes and character development and all like that, kind of became this kind of heavy, dark thing that really just was kind of imitating other dark movies and didn't really have any real life to it. I worked on it for a little while, uh, started to do some ideas for animation on uh, Island Wee. Um, and when they looked at it, they said, uh, uh, I don't want to see little Lulu in this movie. And so they <laughs> took me off and put me on story. And I worked with uh, John Musker and we did uh, some storyboards for the witches presented it to everybody, to the team, and on the picture, everybody had really liked it, thought it was really great, uh, and so the directors decided to cut it out from the movie and give it to another storyboard artist to do, <laughs> and it became this really bitter thing where mm -hmm. it was anyone that had ideas and was trying to push something was kind of pushed aside. So mm -hmm. I actually asked to get off the movie and was uh, moved on to Mickey's Christmas Carol at mm -hmm. the time because it was getting to be such a unpleasant situation on the picture. And that's so what I wanted real... to ask about next. Uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol, I can watch it on repeat nonstop the Christmas season all year long, actually. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that and what exactly you worked on. I mean, delightful Irvin Costle yeah, score. Well, and... well, that was fun. And, and Bernie Mattinson was the director and he's a, he's a really great guy. One of the nicest guys I've known, really nice, friendly, and he's still working there today. He's, mm. he's like the oldest Disney employee. Uh, he's been at Disney longer than any other employee in the company right now. Wow. Uh, but yeah, uh, he was, he'd been a, st uh, story man for the most part and did a lot of Fox and Hound storyboards, but then got to direct this thing and it was really fun working with him. I did uh, a lot of little bits with Scrooge. I did some of, uh, Goofy coming in as Marley. Uh, and then, then the whole ending where he, Scrooge wakes up and runs around the, the room and does things. That's, that's all my <laughs> wow, animation and, that's great. and my ideas because uh, the way he had boarded was he just 
woke up, looked out the window, said, oh, it's morning, and then ran out of the room. And I thought, well, you know, it's you can do more with it. It's he's so excited, you may throw some gags. So I, I went and worked up the ideas of the, the hat getting caught on the uh-huh. cane and things like that and showed it to Bernie and talked him into it. And I can't so go out like this, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, uh, well, that, that was Bernie's idea. Okay. I can't go out like this. Yeah. That's better. That was, that was Bernie's idea. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, yeah, so I, I did that. Some that, that was that was really fun. I, I did. Uh, oh, I did Daisy. Daisy was kind of fun working with uh, that. I did one one scene of Mickey, and I was it's very embarrassing. <laughs> and when you, it takes a while to learn to do a character. When you do one scene of a character, it's never your best work. Anyway, what did you? But, what scene did you do with Mickey? Uh, oh, it's when Donald comes in with the 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 door oh no it was donald i worked on that's right i think he opens the door his and nephew. Gotcha. donald comes in with the wreath uh, oh sure sure when he one. when he first meets him to in, invite him over for dinner yeah 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 yeah, yeah that one yeah. there yeah that's so, great that whole yeah, special but, yeah. is just so warm i mean it i mean it's just mm-hmm. that's fantastic yeah, it was great and i got to watch uh ducky nash do some recording oh. for that which mm. was kind of fun you know the original voice of donald duck sure and that yeah, was was that movie. the first um, time that Wayne Allwine did Mickey? I think so. Okay, uh, I'm not I'm not absolutely sure though, but I think so. We'll hear more from Randy on his time at the Disney Studios next week. Make sure you check that one out. Until then, please follow us on social media on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter at Hub Hyperion. Please also email us at podcast at thehyperionhub.com. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we're going to ask for a favor. Please rate and review us so more people find the show. Recently, we had a few more reviews. Thank you to Whatevs353, Your Disney Mom, and Mary and Chaz. They all gave us pretty good reviews. So thank you to them. And we ask you to, uh, once again, please rate and review us. It helps more people find the show. Until next week, have a great one, everybody. We're glad you could join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email or send us a recorded audio message at podcast at thehyperionhub.com. Find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Hyperion Hub is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or its subsidiaries. We'll meet you next time at the Hyperion Hub. (laughs) 